Hello, and welcome to our walk together. This is the place where we have a chance to listen and to learn from others on our walk. My name is Paul Long, and I will be your host, but also a fellow traveler. I'm glad that you're able to join me today on our walk together. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our walk together. Uh, Glad you found a few minutes to be able to spend with me today, Uh, a few minutes to learn a few things, a few minutes to reflect on on your life, reflect on the things that are important to you. Um, I have a guest today who some of you who listen to the podcast all the time may remember. I had her about a year, I think, ago um, on the podcast talking talking with us. And um, she she's doing a lot of work now in in nonviolence and so um my guest is Ruth Ann Agnes and she is out in California um where it's raining like crazy she was telling me that um and she she is currently the director of Yes We Can Peacemakers which is a a, a group of of educators educating people for um how to live nonviolently um how to how to react nonviolently uh it, yes we can peacemakers is also now a division of uh people for of faith for justice and Ruth Ann will tell us all about that as as we go along um she does nonviolence education with adults with youth groups and that's becoming a, a very important thing within within her organization is how do we reach the young people in our society? And so welcome, Ruthann, to our walk together. Well, thank you so much, Paul. It's Peace Builders, by the way. Yes, I'm sorry. Peace, that's okay. I actually had originally named it Peacemakers. It doesn't seem to matter, except at the time <laughs> I was in Rotary and they have Peace Builder. Uh, uh, they do a Peace Builder thing. So I wanted to be a Peace Builder club. So I changed the name to Peace Builders. Oh, okay. So it, it <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, you weren't wrong, really. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, a little bit about me. And well, we'll, to bring it up to what we're what we're talking about, about six years ago, I was working as, and I still work as a freelance journalist, and I was very concerned about some of the things going on in my community. One of the the beliefs I have is that when we do positive peace building, and I like to use those words, positive peace building, we do it really locally. We start locally. It's a grassroots thing. I'm not, I don't think I can change the federal government, at least not by tomorrow, (laughs) but though I'd like to, (laughs) but uh, we try to do this, you know, locally and that means your community. So I was more concerned about some of the things going on in my community because we had a sudden influx of homeless people. It seemed like all of a sudden we had a lot of homeless people coming to this area. Now I happen to live in Morro Bay, California, and it's an extremely beautiful area. We're what maybe an hour, two hours from Big Sur on the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can't choose a a, a worse place, yeah, <laughs> because this is really truly beautiful. And uh, and and it's usually warm. I would have to tell you, it is not warm today, but it's usually warm. And we don't usually have this yeah. much rain either. <laughs> Depends well, on I, your definition of cold and warm. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I can't. I'm talking to you in Buffalo, so I guess mm-hmm. I can't say too much about that but i'm from originally from new york i I lived in the city for a long period of time i was raised partly in long island and new jersey i know how cold it can get (laughs) (laughs) and in buffalo i think you get the worst so sometimes uh, yeah yeah i can appreciate that but we don't and we're very used to not we are used to a much moderate temperature so people come here and that included people that were not doing well and were falling into homelessness also, we saw a lot of that happening within our own community. Things were just not going well and people were losing their homes or they were evicted from their rentals, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a lot of people living in their RVs and their cars. And I was concerned actually about the attitude that was coming out on social media, local social media about that, which was anything but not healthy and certainly not loving. 
So I wanted to do something within my parameters of being a journalist and, and to write about it. But in the process, I began to realize that something needed to be done. And I literally stumbled across uh, Pachi Beni, mm -hmm. the nonviolent service. And through that, I again, literally stumbled across the Nonviolent Cities Project. And that just rang bells for me. I said, that's probably what would work in my community if I signed us up to do that kind of work. And then I met John Deere. And I, that's a little bit of a history because I then spent five years really working with him and helping him to establish the Beatitudes uh, Center. And mm -hmm. along the same line of time, I got active and I formed an organization, which is the Yes We Can Peace Builders. And we were not a nonprofit. We were just a group of citizens that got together to see what could we do about the things going on that were not what we felt were nonviolent in our community, and we wanted it to be a nonviolent community. So I, I was very involved for a number of years, um, working very closely with our city council, with our mayor, um, and, and the, particularly the police department. We had issues with the police, and we have a wonderful police department as compared to some others in the country. But again, there was attitude problems. There were things about the way they viewed the homeless people, et cetera, and how they were handling it. So we had a lot of work to do as far as just talking, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's dialogue. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm convinced that the dialogue is really what we need more and more. And, and I like to have that dialogue, not just with people that think the same way we do, but with those that do not so that mm -hmm. we can understand better where they're coming from. And I think that we are really failing in that effort at this point. But I'd like to push for that. So uh, we got very involved doing the Nonviolent Cities Project, and I started doing nonviolence education groups. I did a 12-week workshop uh, doing exploring nonviolence, and out of that grew several uh, splinter groups that started to form that are still under the auspices of Yes, We Can Peace Builders. So a lot of this has grown over the years. Um, while I was helping John put together the Beatitude Center, I kind of got away from what I'm doing and it suffered a little bit. And uh, we parted about about a year and a half ago and I just immediately got right back into it. And in just so doing, I realized that I really had to be a nonprofit. There was no way I could accomplish this without it. I had the opportunity of uh, merging with the People of Faith for Justice that works out of San Luis Obispo County. And they'd been around for about 13 years as a nonprofit. They actually were started with uh, members of the uh, various congregations and, and the lay people in the various congregations who were working towards various items on their uh, program. In other words, they have four pillars that they were interested in, one of which was peace and nonviolence. And the reason we did the merger recently, I think we merged about not quite a year ago now, be, we were very interested in getting the programs that I do under their belt mm -hmm. so that I could reach farther and I could get better funding because that's always an issue with sure. groups like this, you know, the fundraising part. So it's been beneficial to really uh, tie up with them. Out of that, too, was an interesting thing because I then joined with four guys that are involved with People of Faith for Justice, and we formed a uh, another center, and it's called the Coast, Central Coast Center for an Ecological Civilization. Hmm. I found that all the parameters that I was interested in under nonviolence, which would encompass the economic injustice, um, the lack of diversity, the racial things, everything seemed to come in under if we were developing a truly ecological civilization that was interested in having a world that was more attuned to everyone's needs plus the planet's needs. So mm -hmm. it really is addressing the climate issue. And that's mm -hmm. been really interesting because that climate issue has really come forth very strongly from our young people, from our youth, more so than from those of us who probably should have paid more attention to it <laughs> over the years. Um, where do I go with this? What, am I, what, I want, what do I want to tell you? The, so both of those things, the peace builder nonviolence work and the ecological civilization work are really working in collaboration with each other at this point. 
so we're we're very busy and we're still <laughs> really for the for the ecosif thing we're very busy really forming it i just uh finished up well, it's not quite finished put together a website for them and i have a website so mm-hmm. uh, the, the, all three elements have a website so we're a three division nonprofit at this point wonderful yeah so 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 you're 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 doing a lot of education and are, where is your education geared toward? What are you trying to well with the adult with group? The adult group I have do the basic um, nonviolent the non trying to live the nonviolent life, etc. We go you know it's really starting on the personal level that you're trying to achieve that uh, that perfect way of living. But I don't think I I certainly would never tell you that I'm completely nonviolent. I wish mm-hmm. I was. And, uh, and I want to say that I think it is one of the most difficult things to do in our lives is try to really truly live as nonviolently. And I you mentioned when we were talking privately about gossip and, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. you don't go into road rage, etc. In the first few years when I was doing the actual facilitating of some of the workshops, I kind of steered people off of coming out with anything that was hatred because at the time we were going through the Donald Trump years and a lot of people were having some real problems um, understanding, you know, where is our country going? I find I recently in the last year or so decided I need to let them verbalize it. So when I, and this is, and even with kids, I probably would be okay with children too, but they'll verbalize whether you like it or not. Yeah, true. (laughs) Very true. The adults will hold back and I don't want them to. So I want them to, if they really feel a hatred in their heart for something, I want them to express that so we can then get into discussing how can we deal with that in our personal life? Where can we go to get the spiritual help that will bring us forward to uh, more of a nonviolent approach to these things that are Mm -hmm. bothering us? Um, It took me a long time to develop compassion for somebody like Donald Trump. And the same thing, I'm, I'm now going through that with Vladimir Putin, but I know that I have to. And personally, I have to put my feet in their shoes and I have to become that person and try to understand where are they coming from. And out of that came some compassion. That doesn't mean that I condone anything that Mm -hmm. they do. And that's the most important thing that I try to get across when I'm doing this kind of teaching is that you, you literally say no to any of that behavior, any of those actions, et cetera. But you always say yes to them as a human being. Right. That, that's very important kind of concept to get across. And it does help people that really are, are struggling with those feelings. They, they don't want to have the feelings, but they have the feelings. And how do they deal with that kind of thing? So we get into a lot of discussion about that. Um, I'm now using a lot of videos. I started with uh, the six principles of Martin Luther King Jr. right around the uh, King holiday this past January. And I was able to get six short videos from Dr. Bernard Lafayette. Now he is the man who actually walked and marched and worked with Martin Luther King during the 60s. Mm-hmm. He gave the explanation so well, you know, so run those videos and let the people then afterwards, we sit down and we discuss each one of those principles. We literally have, I call it a peace tea. Mm. I decided that it would be nice to get together, sit around the table, have tea and cookies. And afterwards, you know, after having a video or whatever, if I do a program myself, discuss all those things. Mm. And it just eases things up. It's kind of fun, you know? So right. I do that locally here in uh, Morro Bay with a group, and we were actually doing it out of the uh, the Methodist Church in Morro Bay. Has you can't get a place here that you can get for free unless it's a church hall. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's a it's a good association, you know, trying to oh, sure. get around and use these facilities. Uh, we also use the United Church of Christ in San Luis Obispo. The pastor of that church is on the People of Faith for Justice. And you you draw from that congregation also, but it's all open to the community. I publish the uh, announcements of it in the paper, and anybody can come, and anybody's welcome. And, you, and it's not religion. It's not church. Mm-hmm. And right. I have to emphasize that because some people struggle with that. It, it's, you know, you, you run into that quite a bit. So we're doing uh, the adult groups that way through different church 
through different churches and church halls. And the youth group got going because I suddenly got thinking about what are we doing uh, with young people? You've heard, you know, the Greta Thunberg thing. And, uh, and then there were some demonstrations all around the racial incidents that happened with the police. And we had the misfortune of having one here in San Luis Obispo that ended up very poorly tear gasping, you know, and the guys out there in their SWAT uniforms. And right away, if you walk out of the police department in your SWAT uniform, you're going to have problems. It's going to turn, it turns violent. It just does. And I think that they, they brought that out, that the police actually brought that out unknowingly. Okay. I'll right. give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't think they intended it to be like that, but it did not turn out well. And one of the groups actually in thinking about civil disobedience performed something that they should have thought more thoroughly about and they created a violent situation. And afterwards I thought, well, nobody ever got together with these young people to help them put on a demonstration. How do you put on a demonstration nonviolently? During the 1960s, when I marched, we had training. We had to go through training. You couldn't go down south and march with Martin Luther King unless you had nonviolence training. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that I don't think we understood the term nonviolence. I think we only thought, well, we're not supposed to retaliate back to anybody that's you know hitting us over the head with a baseball bat because you're not. If you're nonviolent, you don't retaliate. But we didn't get into the concept of what does that mean? for your whole life. It did not happen in the 60s, at least not mm -hmm. for me, okay? Right. And I think many people have said they, they felt that. That's what we're really concentrating on now. And that's what I wanna concentrate on with the young people so that they don't make the kind of mistake. I mean, they ended up getting arrested. They're you know going through the whole mm -hmm. legal process. It's, it's, it was sad and it was unnecessary. So I thought we have really not paid attention to the young people at all. And how do we do this? And how do you get a hold of, you know, where do you go? To, to do this. And sometimes yeah. it's a church youth group. It can be something at the school. Some of the schools are doing something with um, meditation, kindness, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is healthy. Some of the schools do have a social justice group going, and uh, but not enough. I don't see enough. We actually have two independent schools in this area that are peace schools. Mm -hmm. And they teach anywhere from, uh, you know, first grade up through eighth grade. And some of them go through high school. Mostly it's first through eighth grade. And that's great that we have those, but it's not enough. And I don't see it enough in the regular school system where we're doing something like that, where we're really addressing the issues of the day with a peace and nonviolence uh, background to it. So I thought we need to fill in the blanks somehow. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I just stumbled across a group in a town that's about maybe 30, 40 miles north of here that uh, has an arts center. It's a youth arts center, mm. and it's free for the kids in the area. And I introduced myself there because I wanted to write about them for the newspaper because I'm a journalist and that's what I do. And I thought, my, this might be a place where we could do something with peace and nonviolence for these young kids. And they said, yes. So I decided to work a program around International Peace Day and see what we could do as an art project with all of the kids that attend this particular youth center. So that started with kids from kindergarten on up to uh, seniors in high school. And I had the most fun doing this darn thing. However, it was very revealing. I got so much reaction out of the youngsters, the really youngsters, the, the five and six-year-olds, what they're going through as they're starting school. I mean, we didn't go through that kind of stuff when we went to school in, in our, our young years. They have to deal with an awful lot. I mean, they're walking through a, a, a school where there's somebody walking around with a gun in his hip, ostensibly for their safety. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. <laughs> As well, you should. <laughs> I have a real problem with that. Yeah. Um, and the high schoolers are going through the same thing. And not only that, but then they have 
the Army coming in at least uh, right around their junior year in high school, in comes the Army recruiting. I have a real problem with that. And that's still going on a lot around here. So what else can we offer them? It's, it's the way we, we were thinking. So I came up with using coloring books, believe it or not, mm-hmm. that had a peace theme to them, all the symbols, you know, the dove, this this peace sign, etc. And I ran off a gazillion copies of that and brought it to this youth art center for each art class to have. And they are to, you know, they're going to color them. And then we're going to paste them all up. We're going to take their picture and we're going to publicize this as an International Peace Day event. Hmm. Well, while you're sitting there listening, you know, I'm talking to them about some things that have to do with nonviolence. I used um, I used a little, well, he's not literally big cow i have a cow stuffed cow he's actually over here in my bed but the stuffed cow and i had the peace symbol on him i pissed a little peace symbol on him and i explained uh thought i would work on the uh, diversity angle because a lot of the problems we have in this area have to do with the lack of diversity okay so if you happen to be black or hispanic etc you're really in the minority in a lot of these places so i thought well let's explain something so i told them that this particular stuffed cow is kind of brown and white okay so i had him talk and his name was mubert and mubert told them that out in the field cows don't care if you're brown and white they don't care if you're black they don't care if you're black they don't care if you're white they don't care if they're purple they just want to eat grass Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get the idea across you know and then they went into more about how do they behave with each other, et cetera? So what pops up out of that? This little five-year-old girl pops up with, Logan is mean to me. Woo! Who's Logan? You know, I'm thinking in my head, what is this? <laughs> so I beelined over to her and said, so who's Logan? <laughs> so this is some little boy in her kindergarten class, and he's mean to her. So how is he mean to you? Well, he says things to me, and it's bad things. And then he pinches me, and he does this and that, and what have you. I said, well, what do you do? So I went and I told the teacher and he didn't get the golden apple that week. So I guess they have some sort of award for if they behave properly. So we all <laughs> laugh. A couple other kids mentioned and they brought up Logan, too. And I thought, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go and strangle Logan. I am totally <laughs> out of nonviolence. I want to kill Logan because this is the sweetest little girl you ever would want to meet. And he's, she's getting picked on by this kid. And I have to think, you know, I got to quickly let my brain go forward and say, what am I going to say to her that illustrates that we're supposed to be peaceful? We're supposed to be loving. Ah, so I stopped and I said, well, do you tell him just to stop? You say, you know, I want you to stop doing that. Don't don't do this to me. Don't threaten him with anything. Just tell him you want him to stop. And she kind of thought about that. And I said, then I want you to think about maybe. Maybe Logan has some problems in his life. Maybe Logan has troubles at home. I mean, it could be anything. Maybe he doesn't feel like he belongs. Do you invite him to come and play with whatever you're doing, et cetera? So I wanted her to go back to the, you know, to the playground, et cetera, and try this out and see if it would work. And conversely, I was concerned that here I am kind of teaching a nonviolence thing to very young kids. And what's my responsibility about the fact that I'm hearing that she's getting picked on or bullied mm-hmm. by a kid in her kindergarten, right? And, and all of this comes into your mind when you do this kind of work, sure. your responsibility, and then you think liability, et cetera. There's a lot of elements before you can just step out the door and go anywhere and do a, a program of nonviolence and they can, you know, it was not something I had ever thought about before. Mm-hmm. But I did tell the program director, I said, I think you need to know the little Junie mentioned about this thing going on. And then after that, suddenly a lot of kids started coming out with stuff. And I, I heard from the art teacher, she cornered me and the, you know, me over the corner and she said, never in all the years she's been doing those classes has any kid ever mentioned on any of that stuff that this particular program we did brought out something that obviously was bothering them that they're dealing with mm-hmm. and don't know how to deal with. And it's the first time they've let it out. So I feel pretty good that we got yeah. through something like that. It makes a huge, you know, it makes a huge step that you're actually making some progress 
in bringing out uh, these principles as best you can for young yeah. minds like that, that they're going to be have something to, to grab onto and go forward. Um, I'm sure that uh, um, when you're presenting these, not just to young people, but also adults uh, and presenting these, the, the, the ideas of nonviolence, um, the ideas of, of living peace, peacefully, what kind of reactions do you get from, from people? And how do you kind of handle those reactions? Well, the adults are probably the hardest ones to do. Kids are a little bit different. And I think we also excuse kids easier than we do the adults. (laughs) (laughs) um, One of my, the very first groups I started doing about five years or more ago, I had one uh, gentleman who was a veteran and I believe it was the Vietnam War. So um, anything, (laughs) anything we presented went against everything that he had been indoctrinated with. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me to really recognize that there, there's a certain amount of brainwashing that goes on in their training, because I don't think they can do some of the things they can do without being put through something like that. But trying to get that person to at least open a little bit enough to, to see another side or another way without negating the fact that they did do that service that's right. the hard part, I think, right. really about this. Um, you know, someone like that has to come to the realization of nonviolence being the better road than what than what we normally do with militarism. And I don't think you can force it on anybody. You can tell them the principles, but they they have to want to accept it. So he struggled and we struggled with him. Everybody else in the, in the group was was moving along very nicely. And uh, it was difficult. It's always difficult. They always, I mean, every single time you'll get them, the Nazis. Well, it would never work with the Nazis. When in effect, a lot of nonviolence uh, did work against the Nazis. I think a lot of people, their lives were saved due to nonviolent actions mm-hmm. more so than you know, somebody with a gun, etc. But try to let get them to understand that is it's, it's difficult, you know. And I think I told you earlier the, the other thing is it always comes up to, well, Jesus overturned the tables. That was violent. He was violent, you know. So if you if you try to introduce nonviolent people, you introduce Martin Luther King, you introduce Gandhi, you introduce Jesus. I introduced Jesus as the most nonviolent person that ever walked the face of the earth, but he turned over those tables, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, at this point now, now five, six years down the road, I just, uh, I kind of let that float. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because what are you going to say? You know, it's, it's an act of disarmament. He didn't hurt anybody. He just turned over a table. And what were those people doing? Right. You know, that, that caused him to, and then you get into discussing anger and is anger any good? Uh, a lot of nonviolence training will tell you we don't want to have anger, but I think anger used in a proper method is effective. Mm-hmm. It's how you use the anger as to whether you uh, accomplish right. your goal. So those things are very difficult. And invariably, you will always have somebody. I have a, I have a woman, military woman in the group now, and she, did, she struggles. And, and, and I don't have a problem with her only because she never probably never picked up a gun. She was a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Good for you. You were helping people, but right. she was indoctrinated with that. Whatever they put them through, that they think quite differently than than those of us who really don't accept uh, a militaristic, you know, style of living at all. But America is very, very militaristic right now. Yeah, it's uh, the the concentration is extreme. I think I see it here locally quite a bit. I ne- and I'm this is going to sound terrible. People hate me to say this, but I never thank a veteran for his service. I will help him. I will help house him. I will feed him. I will help him get medical care. I will listen to him. I will never thank you for your service because I would rather have wished you had said, "Hell no, I won't go." Right. But yeah. it it's 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 just, it's tough to get past those. It really is. It takes you back. You, know, you take a step back when the comments come out and uh, and how do you get around that? You have to continue to talk about 
what's positive about what we're doing with nonviolence and how it really, really does. And I don't like statistics and all that kind of thing. You can throw that at people, but that's not the thing, you know, it it really isn't. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just telling your own personal story too. Um, I struggle with that kind of thing. I struggle with nonviolent communication, et cetera. It's, it's a struggle. I'm not going to tell anybody it's easy. I don't think it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to live a nonviolent life. It's very difficult. Um, and sometimes what's going through my head isn't necessarily what I'm going to express because I won't express it, but it's going through my head. Right, right. And I, I've always said, you know, how we think is how we speak and how we act. So it's working on that head. That's mm-hmm. the difficult part. It's yeah. hard. This is a very difficult process. And I don't think I'm going to accomplish it in my lifetime. Yeah. But, um, it is, uh, you know, even um, I'm sitting here thinking the very uh, people who listen to, to the show know that I live most of my life under a vow of nonviolence. And mm-hmm. the very first words in that vow are recognizing the violence in my own heart. Because it's there. We, yes. For some reason, it is within all of us, you know, um, yeah, that, that, that we have to see that, that it is there. And yeah. then what do we do with that particular yeah, what do we do with phase that? of our lives, you know? Yeah, um, I do have people that tell me, well, we can't help it because it's our nature to be violent. I don't agree with that. I don't think it's the human nature to be, to be violent no. at all. But somewhere along the way, you do you do have that dual thing going on. And mm-hmm. so you do have something within you. It's your own personal struggle that you have to go through. I think, you know, I often think about things about uh, what, what would you do if you're in a self-defense kind of thing? Because we've had, we've had mostly domestic violence occur in this area. That's, that's, I would say one of the biggest physically violent things that go on in this part of the world where, where I live anyway. We don't have a lot of murders, but of the murders that we've had, they've almost all have been domestic violence situations. Hmm. And you you stand there and you say, well, what would you do if this person is standing there pointing a gun at you? What are you going to do if you had the access to pick up another gun? Would you pick up that gun and would you shoot that person? And I don't I can't answer that because I don't know, right. you know what I would do uh, in that case. It, it, that's the toughest things to, to and that, that comes up in the conversation a lot. And I think sometimes in, in educating people about nonviolence, um, you know, like you say, that's always the thing that comes up of, you know, what if, what if you were in this situation? What if you were in that mm-hmm. situation? And I think, I think we need to um, admit freely that it's something we struggle with. You yes. know, I know for me, it's something I struggle with. What would I do? I don't. And you we don't have to know. be honest about the fact. You wouldn't I know don't until know. it happens. Yeah. Right. I don't. Know. I agree. I yeah. know how I hope yeah. I would react. Right. But I don't know. I can't sit here and no, guarantee that this is going to happen. Do. You know, you know I had a, we had a car accident situation here. Right. I'm, I used to live in the house just north of me uh, and it's on a corner and it did not have a stop sign. OK, so I had a lot of people every now and then banging into each other. Mm-hmm. And finally, one person ran into the other and the car overturned. And I found myself running out of the house, running to the car, starting to pull people out of the car. If somebody had asked me I, I would do that prior to anything like that happening, I would have probably said, no, I'll, I'll just call 911, etc. Right. I, I didn't even think about it. I just did it. So I don't know how I will react. That's the I don't know part of it until it actually happens. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a dangerous situation because the car could have caught on fire, blown up, you know, et cetera, sure. et cetera. I just thought, no, we got to get these people out of this thing, you know. And there I was, yeah. So I don't know what would happen. I, yeah. I hopefully you pray to God that you'll never be in a position like that. Right, right. And the yeah. more I think, sometimes the more we live nonviolently. Um, the less, I don't want to say the less likely, but I don't, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but the more we set that example, I guess, mm-hmm. is the less likely that some things that are going to happen, that people will not be in a position where things become escalated. And I think that's where we get into a lot of trouble. 
you know, walking down the street, the guy, somebody looks at me sideways and I don't like that, you know, how easy is it to, for that to escalate when nothing would have happened if you just kept walking and mind your own business, you know, we had that happen here. One of the early things that happened here had to involved a black woman and a uh, white tourist. We have a lot of tourism in this area and she had that happen. And he uh, called her the, the, the N word, you know, as they're walking by mm-hmm. each other, etc. And it did, it escalated because she, she got so angry. I mean, I, and I understand that because she's really living in a very white world here. We're not very diverse in this area. Right. And I don't know how many times this has probably happened to her in her life. Uh, so it escalated to the point where at least she felt she had to get somebody to help her because he kept doing it and uh, call 911 and get the police to come. And then we had the police very foolishly say to her, well, what did you do that would have maybe caused him to? This was the really wrong. This was not <laughs> nonviolent communication. at right. all. And that's why we got involved working with the police department to say you need to we need to help these guys know what to say to somebody in that kind of an instance because you right. just set you put gasoline on her flame at that point she that was it it grew it came into a big brew uh-uh. ended up quite frankly the police chief was was gone after all we got rid of he was mm. fired after some of everything that came out of that so that's inability to handle conflict resolution i think it's yeah. a major problem not just here in locally but certainly uh worldwide worldwide is is the answer you know we are very very poor at conflict resolution why Uh, is that it's a part of it's poor education i think it's poor education and that's why we're interested in really listening more to the young people to see what are they really getting out of their uh education these days the uh I was astounded. I'm going to go off in a little different direction right now, but astounded. I also do small podcasts. I do 20 minute podcasts that I send Mm -hmm. out and around. Um, And I had a a graduate from Cal Poly University and she's going into leadership uh, education. It's going to be her major. So she had some of the courses that, you know, led up to that. And she was in a sorority and I'm asking her all about particularly thinking about gun violence, because I thought they have had to deal with all of that, et cetera. But what came out of her was, no, that's not the most primary issue that they're really concerned with. It was climate. I was actually Mm. surprised that it was climate. I said, well, why? And she said, because me and my sorority sisters, we don't think we want to have any children ever because we're bringing them into a world that we don't know what that world's going to be like a generation down or two generations forward. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to take that chance. Well, what an appalling thing to hear that young people of that age would not want to go forward and have a normal sure. life, marry and have children. It's, this is appalling. Um, that got us really thinking about what are we doing? How are we handling? What are we doing locally about our climate situation? What are we saying to them? The most interesting thing that came out of that was she said to me, why do you keep voting for the same people? So she's just, I don't know that she had ever voted yet. She's just coming into the age where she's going to be thinking about who is she going to vote for? Why do you keep voting for the same people? And why are they so old? Huh? (laughs) Think about that one. Mm -hmm. How do you answer that? (laughs) Give me a clue. Give me a clue. And oddly enough, there was an eight-year-old girl on a... uh, an NBC program that asked something similar. Eight years old is thinking the same way this mm-hmm. young graduate did too. Why do we keep, but I don't think that's the issue. I don't think yeah. it's the voting for the people who are putting them in office. I think it's that, why are we not communicating with them? Right. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it also. Ah, that's yeah, a huge it part. Is. Yeah. There's so, so much political stuff i suppose we could go into but i'm going to leave that alone for right now (laughs) (laughs) that that's fear and you know to some extent you can't how do you divorce that how do you separate that it's hard it's impossible to separate that it really is you know you're, you're going to get you're going to get politics you're going to get religion i mean when i'm doing this stuff you get all of that 
you're going to get religion. I happen to be a Catholic. I no longer will um, apologize for that. I have many people coming out and say, I'm a Catholic, but I'm not a very good one, or I'm not Orthodox or something. I'm a Catholic. Okay. I'm not apologizing for that. It's not my fault that the hierarchy of the church maybe didn't care, take care of a certain situation. I don't right. run the church. <clears throat> right. I go with the faith. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you, I get into this all the time. I, they don't want to, they don't want to go forward because, you know, the, the church did what the church did. Right. Well, show me a church that hasn't. Right. Exactly. And that's, and that's very true. I mean, you know, um, it's like a tough say, one. Yeah. yeah. And, um, try, try being in a religious order and have that conversation. It just doesn't give, work. You know, I, I, John Deere <laughs> and I had a lot of things that we disagreed on, I have to say, but I love him dearly. I still do. He probably doesn't think so, but I do. And I have to give him credit for sticking with the order, being in the, you know, sticking with the priesthood, et cetera, and going forward, trying to make change because that's tough. You're always getting slammed, always getting slammed yeah. with this kind of thing. It's just, this is difficult. Yeah, because you're going up against a large institutional yeah. wall in, in one sense, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and probably not going to see in your lifetime a whole lot of change. No, no, I, you know, there's uh, there's another part we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, following specific rules and following a, a rule of of life, which is uh, which is what religious orders do. You know, yeah. and that's sometimes you just got to go way back to the beginning and say, okay, this is what was said, but what did we do with it? And how did it change? And yeah. how do we get back to what was the original charism? Um, you know, yeah. again, that's off on another tangent, but I think but it, it all kind of goes it, together. It comes into it. If you do nonviolence work, it comes into it. You cannot avoid it. I mean, anybody that's interested in doing this kind of work, you have to realize you're going to come up against religion. You're going to come up against politics. It's just going right. to happen. And you have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, to to talk about it and talk it out. And I, I, I do let people say whatever they want to say. They're not necessarily wrong, you know, in yeah. their perception, you know, and I can't say that. But uh, you have to come up with your own individual. What's within you? Right. That makes this right. different. Okay. Uh, it gets back to the Martin Luther King, that moral arc of the universe always will bend towards justice thing. And yeah. that's what's happened since time began, right? Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah, uh, we go through people of faith for justice. We're struggling a little bit with how much, how much, what elements would we not be interested in hearing from or, or involving into us? And I want to be open to everything, everything, mm -hmm. okay? If a Muslim wants to come and, and do this thing, I want them there, uh, whatever. Okay. And it, it, you sit down, you really have to chat it out. It's tough. But does it, doesn't that all have a, a common core in what you're teaching? Because to, to deny or to exclude someone is certainly not a nonviolent thing to do. No. Of course, you know, not. that's saying that's a, uh, saying I'm right and you're wrong. You know, yeah. that's and, that's, and that's the worst that's, thing. And I think we suffer with that a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of black and white. You know, it's a lot of this is right and this is wrong. Right. And there's so much gray matter in the middle. It's, you know, and I get into a relationship, any relationship, right? Any loving yeah. relationship. Sure. Boy, you run right up against that, uh, that sure. kind of thing. And you've got to really open up and let that other stuff come in. Um, yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard. I don't find anything I'm doing easy. I got to be honest. Well, no, it's not, it's not supposed to be easy, Ruth. <laughs> no. I, so, I, I, hope, I think I have a thick skin, you know, as far as uh, I put out there what I can put out and whatever reaction I get, I get. And yeah. uh, I can't personally be wounded by somebody else's uh, thoughts and feelings and what have right. you. They are, they, they just they are the right to have them we we started to talk a lot about uh, love you know we're supposed to love everyone etc and i was <laughs> they asked me about that my group asked me about that i said well i'm sorry to have to tell you this i do not love everyone i don't even like some people <laughs> no less love <laughs> but i'd rather use the word respect yeah. i respect everyone as a human being and that they all have human rights etc just like mine they're no different from me in any other way i have to have that respect 
Mm-hmm. That to me is better than saying love, love, love. Yeah. I always think about the people on HGTV, you know, when they get their rooms redone, their houses redone. Well, they love this and they love that. You know what? Love, the word love is really terribly misused. <laughs> yes, it is. Without yeah. without understanding the definition of it, you know. Yes. You yes. know. Uh, well, I want to so, tell you a little bit about something else that I'm doing, which is okay. kind of important. Um I have a niece that uh, runs an NGO and she's a consultant to the United Nations. And for those of you who have never heard of them, there is something called the Sustainable Development Goals, 17 of them, that 192 countries said yes to them, including ours. And then ours turned around and didn't do a darn thing with them, very little anyway. So right now they're asking for something called the People's Report. So they're asking all of the groups, little groups like mine, which I think is a little a little nothing out here in Morro Bay, California. And they're asking all of us to take some of these goals, like I've been challenged with goal number 16, which has to do with violence and nonviolence, et cetera. And I have to write a report back that's going to be in a huge uh, forum that's going to take place in July at the United Nations Mm. about what have we found here that is the problem what are the problems here in relation to what that goal says and then what do we think the solutions would be or what solutions are we already putting into effect and uh, so there's going to be thousands and thousands of very small grassroots organizations that are going to answer these questions and uh, i'm also going to do one on the climate questions because there's three elements for the uh, sustainable development goals that deal with climate mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. is about you know the marine and the ocean the other about terrestrial etc um and i think our goal is going to have to be dealing a lot with uh the increase in poverty the the homeless situation not just here because we're really overwhelmed with it i can't imagine being in a city like los angeles and the mm-hmm. photographs i've seen of the homeless situation there and what are we really doing about you know, our poverty situations, our economic injustice is really the core for me of everything that is wrong, uh, that's going wrong with us. And it certainly isn't nonviolent either. And no. I, I know we're not going to see a great big change in our lifetime, but I'd like to start in my community working on that kind of thing. So sure. I've had, you know, they send out the city goal. What do you want for your city? What's your goals? Well, I immediately, that's what I start putting down. Yeah. You know, We need to be looking at are we really bringing in businesses that can pay something more than the minimum wage because you're not doing anything about the housing? And we have a tremendous mm-hmm. housing problem here. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that anyone can afford. Yeah. It's just dead. Yeah, it's so high. And what are we doing about re- regulating that? And, it, you know, more and more people losing their, their place to live, et cetera. It's, it's very bad. Mm. And you look at this here and it's so beautiful here. You don't see that poverty. It's right. not visible. It's the invisible poverty and the people who are very underserved by, you know, what's going on in the local yeah. government. And that's why I say you, you can't get away from it. You're, you're going to be right there in the politics, whether you like it. Yeah, it's all part of it. It's all part of the of the yeah. adventure, right? Uh, it is. So Ruth, we've been talking for quite a while now. Um how do people get a hold of you? How do they get information? What would you suggest that they that they do? And before I let you answer all that, just so my my audience knows, whatever Ruth tells me, I'm going to be putting on my website, ourwalktogether.com, and which will have all the addresses and all that. So you don't have to run for a pencil. I'd rather you listen to Ruth than run for a pencil. So Ruth, how do they get a hold of you? They get a hold of me by going to our website. Yes, we can. Peacebuilders.org. Okay. You can even get a hold of me by doing Yes, We Can Peacebuilders, numeral one, one. Yes, We Can Peacebuilders, one at gmail.com. And I will answer anybody's uh, email. Anybody that's interested in learning how to do this or is interested in doing this. I didn't get this education in college, et cetera, you know. It's, uh, I just decided it was something I wanted to do. I felt it was important. It was important to my community and uh, got a little training, you know, asked for a little training from the organization, Pachi Benny and uh, John helped quite a bit too. Mm -hmm. 
and then was able to just get out there and do it, you know, swallow your pride, stand up and say your piece. It's that kind and of thing. You, you also have a newsletter that goes out. Um, I do my newsletter. Yes. Satya, S-A-T-Y-A. It's a little takeoff on Satya Grappa. Satya is, you know, truth in thought, word and action. And mm. I send that out right now. It's bi-monthly every two months. I have been doing it monthly, but I'm doing it bi-monthly now. And if they want to be on my mailing list, they can go to that email address and let me okay. know. Okay. Uh, also, there is a section on my website that is is there, and everything we've ever written for it from the time we started it is on that page. Oh, wonderful! I read all of the articles on that. Yeah. Great. So, but I'm using a lot of other writers right now. That uh, matter of fact, if you'd like to write something for us, <laughs> I would be happy to get something from you. So. Then we can put up something from Paul Long. I think there you go. <laughs> well, it may happen. It may happen. <laughs> it may happen. Good. So, Ruth, thank you, Ruth. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, well, you know, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. We've we've said that many times to each other. We we don't talk to each other very often, but when we do, we enjoy talking to each other. We keep um, up. We keep and, up. Yeah, and uh, so. I, I thank you for being here. Um, thank you for spending some time with us and, and walking with us today. So I thanks, love Ruth. Walking. I love walking together with you. This is great. Okay. You're doing very, very good work for all of us, too. We got to keep this up. We're never going to stop. You're right. It's not yep. going to stop. Thanks, Ruth. Stop. Never so, give thanks up. For, thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, the music means that our time together is at an end. I would like to thank you for walking with me today. It's been a great blessing. All of the information about the podcast is available on the website, ourwalktogether.com. Please invite your friends to also listen. You are the best advertisement. And so, until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you his peace.